This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the governor says Capitol Cops will have additional officers on standby to deal with any armed protests by disgruntled supporters of Donald Trump. And I don't care why you're doing it. You're not doing it here. So if there's any type of disorder, uh, we will have the reinforcements there. I don't know that I've gotten anything uh, specific uh, for it, but, um, but that would not be advisable for people to want to do that. During a press conference at the Villages, Ron DeSantis talked briefly about last week's deadly riot in Washington, but there was one question he would not answer. Should Thanks, President guys. Trump be held accountable? Governor, should President Trump be held accountable? He may not want to answer for the president, but the governor is doing a bit of a victory dance over his decision to put seniors at the head of the line for COVID vaccinations. HHS is now going to tell states, basically do what Florida's doing, focus on that 65 and up population. Now, they also have all these other young workers in line. I don't know how that's going to work, uh, but the fact of the matter is putting seniors first was the right decision. The governor has also announced public stores in three North Florida counties will offer vaccinations as early as tomorrow. So there are seven publics in Okaloosa uh, who will be accepting reservations. There are five in Santa Rosa County and there are six in Escambia County. And so this is each uh, Publix can do between 100 and 125 shots a day. Shortly after that announcement, the state health department released the daily COVID casualty count. 23,585 people have died in Florida. More than one and one half million have contracted the disease. Today on Sunrise In Depth, you'll hear how the COVID crisis has exacerbated the opioid crisis. The shutdowns have been absolutely necessary to ease the burden of our healthcare professionals, me being one of them on the front line, which I appreciate, but they are a double-edged sword. They increase isolation, they increase financial despair, and those two issues are usually the main roots of why somebody becomes addicted to a substance. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and close the show with the latest on Florida Man. In this case, a firefighter charged with shenanigans at the U.S. Capitol last week. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, January 13th. On this date in 1982, an Air Florida 737 jet crashed into Washington, D.C.'s 14th Street Bridge and fell into the Potomac River while trying to take off during a snowstorm. 78 people died, four passengers and a flight attendant survived. January 13th is also Stephen Foster Memorial Day. He wrote Florida's official state song, Way Down Upon the Suwannee River, but he never actually saw the river in real life or even visited the sunshine. State. He chose the Swanee because it fit the melody. State lawmakers are being warned to steer clear of the Capitol building Sunday because of a protest by supporters of Donald Trump. The Senate president and the House speaker have instructed legislative staffers to work from home that day. The FBI is expecting trouble in all 50 state capitals, and Governor Ron DeSantis says Tallahassee is prepared for the worst. I don't want to see that, but I, if anything is disorderly, we are going to act very quickly. Uh, don't worry about that. When I when I came out with our legislation in September, um, I said, look, Florida handled this summer well. 
We didn't tolerate it. But this this stuff is happening in our country. We just have to understand it. And I don't care why you're doing it. You're not doing it here. So if there's any type of disorder, uh, we will have the reinforcements there. I don't know that I've gotten anything uh, specific uh, for it. But um, but that would not be advisable for people to want to do that in the state of Florida. And understand, our legislation is going to pass this legislative session. So if you riot, you are going to jail. And you're going to have to spend time in jail. If you assault law enforcement uh, in a violent assembly, you're going to definitely go to jail. You burn down someone's business. You do all this. The penalties are going to be very swift and immediate. And I think once people see that, well, I think they already know Florida means business. But if, if people understand that, and I actually... Um, you know, uh, I'm glad to see some of these people getting arrested from from the D.C. thing, because I think that the prosecutions will really make a difference. The issue also came up during a legislative committee meeting where Senator Victor Torres asked Kevin Guthrie at the Division of Emergency Management just how they plan to manage this emergency. Dealing with the current situation with the news media, FBI, uh, uh, putting out to the 50 states, uh, to uh, those who uh, uh, who uh, attacked the, the Capitol, and they were putting out uh, notifications to all the 50 states. Are we preparing for anything here in the state of Florida? Um, yes, sir. With respect to the chair, I'm going to defer that question to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, but we, we might have to go into a secure session yes. to discuss that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Back to, back to the All Senate right, Charles. no, just, just asking. Yeah. <laughs> I can assure you that myself, Commissioner Swearingen, the director, uh, Mike Phillips, the Homeland Security agent, we talk on a daily basis. Um, and to the to the heart of the question, we are prepared. However, to go any further than that, Chair, we'd have to go into some, some type of secure session. Absolutely. Thank you. Governor DeSantis is one of the Republicans who supported Trump's effort to overturn the election of Joe Biden. On Tuesday, he was asked if his actions contributed to the violence in Washington and whether the president committed a crime by inciting a riot when he spoke to the crowd before they stormed the Capitol. Look, I think it was I think it was a, a really unfortunate thing. I think that uh, a lot of the people that probably went to that speech were just going to do what they normally do. Um, but those folks who who took it to the violent level, uh, they need to be held accountable. Uh, it's just unacceptable to do that. And, um, you know, it was really, really uh, uh, a sad thing to see. But I'll tell you this. Um, I know there's been criticism because, oh, they should have had more police and all this. And that's a decision that someone higher up could make. I can tell you there's Capitol Police on the ground. That was a very difficult situation. And they could have done it in a way that you would have had a huge number of people uh, die as a result of that. And I know that there was there was there was injuries and there were unfortunately fatalities. But I think those guys deserve a lot of credit in a situation like that uh, to be able to steer a, a huge mob of people uh, away from from doing a lot of other people harm. So uh, good on them. And that's one of the reasons why I did the anti-rioting legislation. So I thought it was a way that we're able to stand by our law enforcement. And when they're in those situations, you got to have their back. Should Thanks, President guys. Trump be held accountable? Governor, should President Trump be held accountable? Well, at least she tried to get an answer. Better luck next time. Another dubious milestone in the fight against COVID-19. There have now been more than one and one half million infections in the state. The health department also reported 161 more fatalities Tuesday, increasing the death toll to 23,585. Across the state, more than 7,700 people are now hospitalized with COVID-19.
Despite those grim numbers, the governor was on the verge of celebration Tuesday after the Department of Health and Human Services in Washington urged states to prioritize seniors 65 and older for COVID vaccinations. DeSantis has been saying that all along, so he feels vindicated. The HHS is now going to tell states basically do what Florida's doing, focus on that 65 and up population. Now, they also have all these other young workers in line. I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, but the fact of the matter is putting seniors first was the right decision. If you look at Florida in terms of the number of shots that we have for senior citizens, we are leading the country by a country mile on this. And the vast majority of our shots have gone to people 65 and up, which is exactly what you want because that is going to have the most effect on disease mitigation. And so when we had the opportunity, so you, you have the, the initial CDC recommendation, we didn't follow it because it would have allowed a 20-year-old healthy worker to get a vaccine before a 74-year-old grandmother or grandparent. That does not uh, recognize how this virus has affected elderly people. So we're doing 65 and up. Uh, I think you're going to see now the federal government tell people that's a better way uh, to be able to do it. But as of today, even with the delayed reporting, we're reporting almost 350,000 seniors that have received a coronavirus vaccine shot. And again, there is no other state that is even close to us in terms of going for seniors. There have been scattered reports that seniors are flying to Florida for vaccinations because they can't get them yet where they live. DeSantis doesn't like it, but at the same time, he views that as validation for his senior first policy. We're not doing any tourists. You know, some of these nursing home people may live here six months of the year. So that's a little bit different. But we're not we have people all over the country because we put seniors first and because people actually see shots going in arms. You have literally people all over the world and all over the country calling here to see. And we're not doing that. We're not doing it for tourists. We're not doing it for interlopers. Um, but I think that that does tell you something. If we weren't getting the shots in the arms, people wouldn't be trying to come to Florida. I mean, that's just the bottom line. DeSantis is also trying to open more vaccination centers. Last week, they started a pilot program at public supermarkets in three central Florida counties. Now the governor says they're adding three more counties in the northwest corner of the state. Okaloosa, Santa Rosa, and Escambia. So there are seven publics in Okaloosa uh, who will be accepting reservations. There are five in Santa Rosa County, and there are six in Escambia County. And so this is each uh, Publix can do between 100 and 125 shots a day. They're going to be taking online appointments beginning Wednesday, and then the sites will open up on Thursday. And I just want to emphasize to people that these vaccinations will be by appointment only, and they're only going to be offered at the designated stores. That's a lot of stores, uh, but it may not be offered at every single Publix uh, in those three counties. So, so don't just show up make the plans to get there. If you do just show up unannounced, what they'll do is they'll just provide you the information in terms of how to sign up. Uh, but they have to do it this way. We want it to be orderly. We want people to be able to get in and out. And I can tell you, I visited a number of their stores in Hernando County on the weekend, talked to all the seniors. A hundred percent of them gave everything high marks. It was easy to get online. They had a great system to get people through and um, and people were happy with it. So that's what's going to happen here. People are going to be happy uh, with the way that this works. So again, this is for people who are 65 age, age 65 and above. 
And this is also for Floridians. I mean, I know we have other states that are close by here. Um, you know, you guys follow with what your state's doing. Uh, here, this is going to be for folks who, who are in Florida. So uh, we really wanted for the Escambia, Santa Rosa, um, and Okaloosa residents. We appreciate what Publix is doing. Uh, I think this is going to make a big difference. And at the end of the day, some, almost everyone is comfortable coming to the supermarket. Uh, not everyone wants to go to a hospital. Not everyone can drive across town to go to a big drive-through test site. And so, you know, elderly people, we need to do what we can to get it in their communities. And I want to thank Publix for stepping up. They've been ready to go from day one. And, um, you know, I knew they would do a good job because I grew up, I'm a Florida native, grew up with Publix. But I can tell, I mean, just top to bottom, it's been a very professional effort. Um, and it e exceeded even my high expectations. So uh, we're glad that we're bringing this to the panhandle, and I know a lot of people are going to be able to uh, have a great sense of relief when they finally get the first shot in the arm. According to the state's official COVID-19 vaccine report issued Tuesday, almost 650,000 Floridians have been vaccinated. More than 51,000 have already had their second and final doses of the vaccine. It's been almost a year since the pandemic began, and each day the state tells us how many lives have been lost. But there is collateral damage that doesn't show up on those reports. Next on Sunrise In Depth, you'll hear how the COVID crisis has rekindled the opioid crisis. One of the more unfortunate side effects of the coronavirus has been a resurgence of opioid overdoses. Ten years ago, Florida was the epicenter of the problem. People traveled from across the country to take advantage of the storefront pill mills that were legal at the time. The state cracked down on those stores peddling hillbilly heroin and on pill-pushing doctors who wrote an abnormal number of prescriptions. And surprise! A lot fewer people died. But emergency physician Dr. Aaron Wall says the COVID crisis has led to a resurgence of the opioid crisis. The COVID-19 pandemic has absolutely, definitively, no question about it, exacerbated the opioid crisis. The shutdowns have been absolutely necessary to ease the burden of our healthcare professionals, me being one of them on the front line, which I appreciate, but they are a double-edged sword. They increase isolation, they increase financial despair, and those two issues are usually the main roots of why somebody becomes addicted to a substance, and that is to avoid the trauma associated with isolation uh, and some degree of financial despair. So we are very concerned that as the results of some of this financial loss, results of families um, Physically arguing, uh, being more stressed, um, that exposes children to what are called adverse childhood experiences. Adverse childhood experiences are directly related to drug use in adolescence. So the more adverse childhood experiences that a child um, is exposed to, the more likely they are to use. And so as the tendency for families to have these arguments or breakups or divorce, or domestic violence, um, then folks are much more likely to turn to what we call an oblivion. That means a substance that obliviates them from the stresses of life. And opioids are often that answer. We learned that during the earlier stages of the pandemic shutdown, alcohol increase went up by 69%. And so it's the same. Alcohol is an oblivion for others. So yes, COVID-19 has been severely exacerbating this crisis, the, the opioid crisis. Um, and in fact, some folks 
if you really do the numbers, if you looked at deaths below the age of 60, um, there has been more deaths below the age of 60 from increased opioid um, overdoses than there have actually from COVID-19. Again, that's an apolitical statement. That's just the truth. It's just the facts. The stats can be confusing at times, but Andre Bailey, the founder of Project Opioid, offers this simple assessment. 2020 just sucked, man. It was <laughs> terrible. And, 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 and I, I tell you, it sucked and people have been struggling privately with mental health issues um, like never before. You know, there was a study that just came out that that uh, more people have been diagnosed with anxiety, depression, PTSD than ever in recorded human history. It's going to be one year in a few weeks that we've been dealing with COVID-19. People are just imploding uh, from an emotional standpoint. Economically, people are, are struggling and in isolation. Addiction is a disease that thrives in isolation, but we've had to isolate in order to keep COVID-19 down. So it's just been the perfect storm for this opioid fentanyl crisis. Bailey and Dr. Wall spoke during a virtual forum organized by State Representative Geraldine Thompson of Windermere, and she agrees with Bailey's assessment of 2020. You're right, 2020 did suck. I am not unhappy to see it in the rearview mirror uh, at all. Uh, but moving forward, I think it's important for the community to know that there are resources and that there are ways uh, that they can get the help that they need. The Opioid Project says overdose deaths among African-Americans increased by 110 percent last year, more than any other demographic. Millennials and teenagers were also impacted. Your calendar of events begins at 9 when the State Board of Education meets in Daytona Beach. The Senate Health Policy Committee meets at 9 to discuss mitigation efforts by the Department of Health and the Agency for Healthcare Administration. The State Reemployment Assistance Appeals Commission meets at 9.30. At noon, the House Appropriations Committee holds a budget workshop, while at the same time, the House Ways and Means Committee gets an overview of state revenue. The House Environment, Agriculture, and Flooding Subcommittee hosts a panel discussion at 2 about flooding and sea level rise. Three separate House Budget Subcommittees that deal with higher ed, criminal justice, and the environment are meeting at 2. The Senate Criminal and Civil Justice Appropriations Sub meets at 3.30 for an overview of crime trends in the state. At 4, the House Civil Justice and Property Rights Subcommittee takes up a bill that would provide immunity from coronavirus-related lawsuits to businesses. And Congressman Brian Mast will speak at a dinner meeting of the Republican Federated Women of South Florida. That's in Delray Beach at 6. Finally today, a Florida man who works as a fireman is facing criminal charges for his alleged involvement in last week's Capitol coup. Andrew Williams has spent the past four years at the Sanford Fire Department, but he's on administrative leave after being charged with disorderly conduct and unlawful entry. Williams was arrested after photographs and video surfaced, which appeared to show him taking part in last week's violent riot. One also appears to show him wearing a Trump hat while standing outside the office of the House Speaker. The FBI has already opened more than 170 case files from the incident, and prosecutors are considering charges ranging from trespassing to sedition and felony murder. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we continue to plumb the depths of Florida politics. <laughs>